So we had the opportunity to talk to Russell Peters, and when that comes up, it, there was always this thinking of how do we get this into podcast format and video series? Mm-hmm. Because having conversations with someone is great, no matter how you have them, and when you're having them over Zoom or Google or whatnot. But then when you go to transcribe them, there is something that gets lost in the person's voice, no matter how hard you try to maintain that person's voice. So we said, if there was ever a time to turn this into video format and launch the podcast, it was with Russell. And we got lucky. We we were able to, to make it happen. Um, and then from there, it just sort of took off. And now we're on episode. So we dropped episode 12 with Wes Hall. Um, and we've just hit over a million point one views across our social platforms on 12 episodes. Congrats. Thank you. And then 100,000 views on YouTube, which again, like across the shorts and the, the clips, which is an insane number to, to think about because really and truly we just want to have conversations mm-hmm. with people. And mm-hmm. it's like if it turns into something or it helps one person, that would be great. So Chef Dev, Chef Devin, Chef Devin. De- Dev, Devin. What Rock do you like to go by? Either or, man, to be honest with you. You're, you're, you're as long as chef's in front of it. Oh, oh, we had a, a brief conversation earlier about <laughs> abbreviating names. Yeah. And I'm totally cool with Dev or Devin. I mean, the old logo, the old brand that we were pushing was Chef Dev. But now it's Chef Devin. Okay. Could, couldn't trademark Chef Dev. Couldn't. Couldn't trademark. Really? Why? Chef, it was too short. Chef development, Chef, mm. I, all kinds of different things it could have been. Oh. So we, uh, we extended it. Also, the old logo had my face on it, too, and we took the face off. Why? It's a beautiful mug. So, <laughs> it's a lot of makeup, man. <laughs> someone, uh, someone told me, someone very close to me that uh, that guides me and mentors me was like, you can't really, you want to build the brand equity with something that's more ownable than your face. Because like, what if I shave? What if something happens to my face? Stuff like that. So we decided to, even on my soup jars, like uh, I have soups and sauces all over the grocery stores, etc., we took the face off, and, and and some people aren't happy about it, but yeah. I, I'm driving all all that equity into the name now, which can go anywhere. Okay. Yeah. And I know seeing, some people feel ways about you can it. You just have like a limited edition nostalgic pull back up with the face on it for the for, for you, the Matthew. OG, yes. For the, for the OGs. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, welcome to the Gents Talk Pod. Uh, we're super excited to have you on. I've, I've been seeing some of the stuff you've been up to. You do a lot of traveling. You do a lot of philanthropic, I always mess up that word. You do a lot of work in that sector, which I think is so important. Um, There's a lot of people that could use the extra hand, especially in today's times. Um, But I think for those that don't know who you are, you know, tell us, tell us your story. What's your journey? You were born and now you're here. What happened in between? Man, we have an hour. (laughs) Um, Born and raised in Toronto, born into a Guyanese household. So I was raised with a lot of West Indian influence growing up. I was raised with a lot of Desi influence growing up too. Don't want to get too much into the history of all that, but you know, through indentured slavery, indentured servants, the British brought a lot of the Indians into the Caribbean and into Guyana and Trinidad. So that's kind of where the lineage goes. Uh, so as a chef now, I tap into both the West Indian and the Indian the Desi, the Bangladeshi, Pakistani, I, I lean into all that, which is a beautiful space for me to be in. For a long time cooking, I didn't really know where my path was. You know, I'm food dudes trained, so I'm really world inspired. And I, I'm, a, I'm a prodigy. I'm a product of Toronto at the same time, which is a massive melting pot. Like we can go get pho, Ethiopian food, KBBQ, um, you know, regional Italian food. We can get whatever we want at any time, but I didn't know where I fit. So a lot of my journey has been discovering what my lane is, what my messaging is. And and now it's to showcase and modernize East and West Indian cuisine. But I had a relatively uh, normal upbringing. Um, I mean, there's so much that I can get into. It's, it's, it's quite the question you asked me right off the bat. But, uh, but yeah, born and raised in Toronto, was traveling a lot as a kid. And I still travel quite a bit. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the activities in my life that drives me you know to explore other uh, to explore other cultures and to learn more about other people and just to constantly gain new knowledge and experience especially in the food industry and, and the food world that I live in it's uh, it's a big part of what I do um, wasn't always a chef though man I mean I went out of high school I went to I went to private boarding in Nova Scotia because I was a very well-behaved kid <laughs> Okay, and and then from there I went to Laurier, failed out of Laurier the first year. I mean, it went from like 
private boarding, everything's regimented. Someone looking at watching me the whole time to Laurier at 18 because there was no OIC at that time in Nova, it's Nova Scotia, obviously. <laughs> so I get to Laurier, I fail out, and um, I'm just b- bouncing around different, uh, like Ryerson, et cetera, et cetera. And then I finally got into culinary school, 2009. And since then, everything changed. And uh, I just, I never looked back once I got into the cooking industry. You found your calling. Yeah, big time, man. Yeah. What is it about cooking and, and being around food that just... <laughs> I, get, I could see you getting excited <laughs> as you're talking about I, it. I, I get asked so often exactly that question, right? And it's, the, it's, it's, it's really nothing more than the ability to do for others. From the first time that I was able to cook for someone, whether that be me just making yogurt and berries for my dad as a kid, I saw that when you presented someone with a dish that you put your heart into... It takes them away from that moment that they're in. If someone's having a stressful day or if something's bothering them and you cook for them, you just take them to a really beautiful place. I love seeing the eyes roll back on people. I love seeing them sink into their seat a little bit when they eat that pecan pie that I hope uh, you guys enjoy later. It's really an opportunity to do for others. I even have it tattooed on my wrist here. It's Seva. It's Sanskrit in in in, in all this work that's done here. And that's essentially selfless service without praise and recognition. And that's something that I've had to work very hard at. I've always been very generous. I was raised that way. I was raised to do volunteer work and charity work. But for a long period of my life, I was looking for recognition from that. So disassociating the praise and recognition from the work that we do. Essentially giving with your right hand like your left hand doesn't know it. That anonymously, that's something that I've been working um, very hard. And that's a daily practice kind of thing. But ultimately, I cook to take care of people, to nourish people, to nurture people. That's always been the backbone of why I cook. Do you find the the, the part about doing so without the recognition, because we're very selfish people by nature, a lot of us just, unless there is something in it for me, I don't do it. Is there something there that helps you get past that instinct of, you know, what do I get out of this? That's a really good question. I think it's really important to disassociate that that recognition part of it. And just when you do that, it's coming from a very pure place. And for a long time, I wanted to do things and I wanted people to recognize it. I wanted people to tell me, hey, man, you're doing such a good job. I wanted people to say, hey, that's so awesome that you did this and you did that. But it's, it all comes back to the intention of why you're doing this in the first place. And if that comes from a very pure wholesome place where again you're trying to nourish and do for others then I think that's the best way to do it for sure and this is not something that I I grew up learning I mean for most of my life I'm 38 now for most of my life I didn't think this way you know this is something that I've adopted over the past few years as I grow older as I mature as I learn more and it's a very important thing and 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 like I said before this is like one of the pillars of of who Devin is and, and and what the chef dev brand is and why I do what I do you do a lot of charity work. Why? Like that, that seems to be a big part of your character, a big part of, I want to call it your brand, but it just seems like it's a, a personal thing more than it is anything else. I was raised Hindu. And what that means is like, seva was always a part of my life. So that selfless service was always a part of my life. My parents are both very generous people. And they've always done volunteer type work. You know, if you go to my parents' house, for if you go to my parents' house, for example, you're not leaving without taking like a blazer from my dad, (laughs) you know, or a book. You know, he's got millions of books. You're you're not leaving empty handed. And that's something that has always been ingrained for me, ingrained into me as a kid. I've always felt the need to give back and do for others. I've also been raised not short of anything. I mean, we weren't in a mansion growing up or anything like that, but I wasn't short of anything. If I had clothes on on my back, you know, I never had to go hungry looking for a meal. You know, anything I wanted to do, I could have essentially done, you know, school trip, whatever that looked like. You know, I was never really short of anything. And I realize that, you know, I don't get to choose what kind of life I'm born into, right? I could have been born halfway across the world. I could have been born with nothing. I could have been born without eyesight. And because I've been given the gift of life with, you know, a head that I feel operates pretty well, I, I mean, I, I just feel the need to do for others who are less fortunate. It just seems like 
the more and more I search for the purpose of life and why am I here and what am I doing and, and why are we here on this earth and, and, and what is the end game, it just, it just makes sense to me that I'm to take care of the person beside me, my neighbor, whoever that is. That's just what makes sense to me. And that's the, the path that I pursue. What is that end game for Chef Devin? I don't know, bro. Um, I really don't know. I've been on a soul-searching discovery over the past several years. Um, I was mentioning before, I'm 16 months sober now. It's given Congratulations. Me, thank you. It's, that's a huge accomplishment. Man, it's one day at a time. And it's given me a lot of time to think and dig deep and see what really makes me tick and, you know, all the things that were bothering me. Like, I'm more connected to myself than ever. Today, sitting here with you, you are receiving the most genuine, authentic version of Devin. You know, I wasn't always as open and vulnerable and candid as I am now. But um, I, I really, I don't know what the end game is. I mean, my work is very dynamic. Most of my life is career focused. Even if I'm not actually cooking, I'm engaging on social media or I'm chatting to someone about food. Like I'm always talking about food, food, food. It's just, it's just what I do and it's what I love to talk about. But the end game, man, I, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I feel like I'm growing at a really fast pace. And I'm just going to continue on the upwards trajectory and give this thing 100% and see where it goes. What uh, happened there that made you go, I need to, to change my lifestyle? Man. There's always a moment. Uh, moments. Moments. Moments over years. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, growing up as, uh, growing up in my, in my home, I think I felt, I think I felt a little bit lesser than, you know, my dad wasn't really the most affectionate type person and he his father died when he was at a very young age and my dad wasn't really the one for my brother and I to to congratulate us and, and tell us he was proud of us and do all these things so I, I feel that at a young age I started looking for external validation you know and at a very young age I was introduced to drugs and alcohol right so that turned into uh, you know substance abuse for me and that became a very warm place for me being high or being at being out of self I, for some reason I just I felt I felt chills I felt cold I didn't feel I didn't feel good unless I had something in my system to change the way that I felt the way that I naturally feel like the way that I feel now growing up as a kid and, and, and through a lot of my adult life I didn't really like that feeling and I preferred the other feeling so I, I did whatever I could I ingested whatever I could to feel some way other than the way that I actually normally feel and I feel like that has to do a lot with the way that I was raised I built some bad habits growing up, and uh, I've struggled with substance abuse over many, many years, man. Not a lot of people know about this. We're actually going to be talking more about it on my platform because I feel that I have a platform now, and I, and I want to do what's right and release this message in, 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 in order, or I really want to help other people. I know a lot of people see me online. They watch my stories. They see my posts, and they're like, man, this guy's living the life. This guy's cooking in Turks and Caicos. He's cooking literally looking at his feet through clear water. He's traveling the world. You know, He's on television. He's doing commercials. He's doing this. He's doing that. But behind all that, behind you seeing what I want you to see on social media, you know, I am a real person at the end of the day, and I have struggles, and I have struggled a lot with my feelings and my emotions and my fears and my resentments over a long period of time. And I've had many bottoms. You said, what was that moment? I, I figured that's like a rock bottom kind of kind of question, right? And I've had many rock bottoms over many years. And I just finally got to a point where I decided to give a spiritual program and recovery 100%. And that's the only way that I've made it this far that I have now. I wake up every day. I tap into the spiritual program. I fill up this spiritual tank. And then I go out into the world. And I continue to do the right thing. I continue to make, remain honest, open-minded, and willing and do the right thing. So someone comes and tells you, I'm struggling with some sort of substance abuse. What's the first thing you tell them? Oh, man. So that does happen. Um, and I'm working with other guys in recovery right now. But it takes a lot of work. Um, the very first thing, I can only share what has worked for me. I can't say you do this, you do that. I can only make suggestions based on the path that I've taken. And hopefully from my mistakes and my journey, this individual can have maybe a lighter path or at least have a little bit more knowledge going into it. But ultimately, that individual needs to accept that there is a problem. And from there, spirituality is what worked for me. So tapping into that spiritual program is, is, is really important. 
we can spend many hours talking just on that part of it. But it's really like Devin needs to accept Devin has a problem. And then Devin now has to take the steps and give it 100% to make it right. Let's say, you know, my brother passed. I'm just going to throw this right at you. But my brother passed away in 2006, right? So my brother passes away in 2006. I don't really feel love for my dad growing up, right? I feel a huge disconnect. You know, he doesn't treat me the same way other kids treat them. All these things happen in my life, right? I can't control these things happening to me, but I can control how I'm going to react to it. So it's, it's, it's my responsibility to do the work that I need to do so I can live life on life's terms. That's really what this thing comes down to. And it's taken me a while to take that responsibility because for so long I was just placing blame. I feel this way because of this. You did this to me, so I'm going to do this, you know? So it's really, it's really, it's really up to me to, to figure out how I'm going to, how I'm going to do this. So that's, that's part of the journey that I've been on. And it's daily practice, man. I'm not cured. I'm not recovered. Every day. It's every, every day, day man. man. You don't know really when work. someone's going to dump you. You don't know when that immediate family member is going to pass away. You don't know what adversity life has in store for you. So it's really important that you tap into this thing every day. So now when I walk into a bar or if I go DJ and, and, and the boys are, 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 are hammering lines or whatever that looks like, like I've, I, I, I've tapped in that day and I can get through it. Whereas before I had white knuckles going through all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have that anymore. I'm, I'm a lot lighter. I'm a lot calmer. I can navigate through life because I, I have this armor on me now, this spiritual armor. You know, and anytime the chink comes up, I, I assess that. I, I, what's causing me to feel this way? And I work through it, man. I go through things now. I used to go around them. Now I go through them. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's a, 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 a mental discipline more than anything else. Mental and spiritual. Right. Because, and the reason why I say that is because I've tried to get myself out of all the hard times in my life and I always ended up back in the same place, you know? So it's, it's a little bit of an external thing for me is that I need to tap into this spirituality. I need to believe in something greater than myself, you know? And I need to put my will into that for a little bit because Devin tried everything he could to get his life in order and Devin ended up in the same place. So it's time to try something new. I put my faith, I put my will into something else. What would that do? Not what Devin would do. What would that do? Yeah. And then things started to change for me, you know? And then I tap into that spirituality. Uh, so mental is part of it, but my, my, my thinking didn't get me out of the trouble I was in. I'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Does this current version of Devin, do you find that your relationship with your father has changed now that you've got a new outlook? Bro... The relationship with my father today is better than it's ever been. And during this 16 months, we had a huge blow up like six, seven months ago. And, and, and I've done so much work to recover and I've done so much work on myself. And De- I, I don't I keep saying Devin because I really want to reinforce this as my story and I can't speak for anybody else. But I've done so much work, so much work. And, and my dad doesn't seem to be doing any work. And we get into this huge fight and and we blow up over something like, you know, very small and petty. What I've realized that has made everything so much easier for me and it's a day-by-day thing is I accept him for who he is. I practice this acceptance and I accept him for who he is. He's not going to change, but that's not my responsibility. I can't let that hold me down anymore. I can't let that drag me through the mud anymore. I accept him for who he is. He's going to say things that irritate me and upset me. You know, he may think certain things of me, but I just let it go, man. And I practice this acceptance and I don't fight back. And I just go calmly about my way and I continue to do the next right thing. Our relationship today is not perfect, but it's way better than it's ever been. You know, we joke and we laugh. I think another thing, too, that my dad sees the work that I've done. He knows where I came from and he sees where I'm at now. And he does appreciate that. He values that and he's proud of me for because he's, I mean, others see the change in you before you see it in yourself, right? Yeah. So he sees that change. So I'm glad you asked that because uh, I'm very proud to say that, yeah, it's better than it's ever been. The way that we are connected now and the way that we interact now is something that never existed in the past 38 years. Wow. It's beautiful, man. I'm so happy to hear that for you. So grateful, like I can, man. I can feel your energy as you're so talking grateful. about it. Like, <laughs> that's a big part of your life. Huge, man. That that it this it held me down my whole life, man. And and now it's a weight that's been lifted. And all I all Devin had to do was lift that weight, but instead I held on to it and I used that as an excuse, one of the excuses, to hurt myself. You know, 
there's a lot of men out there that will take <clears throat> that excuse. They'll hold on to it and they'll say that they're going to convert this into the energy they need to like push through and everything. And I think there's an initial bump when people do that. I've done that in the past, but over time, that thing that you're holding on to actually wears you down. There's a saying, it's very short and sweet, but it's like, I'll show you, I hurt me. You know mm. what I'm saying? And it's like, it's, it's right to the point. So, uh, I, I don't live that way anymore, man. I don't have to, I have a solution now. And that's something that uh, you would recommend for, well, maybe not that exact process because everyone's process is individual, but you would recommend that for someone else at least to find their process. Talk to somebody, speak up and talk to somebody. I held everything inside my whole life and I was an actor. I'm a fantastic actor, man, because I'll manipulate you. I'll make you think, at least I, I think this, but I'll, I'll do everything I can to convince you, you know, that this apple is orange. You know, or whatever that is. Like, that that's what I did. Devin, how you doing today? Oh, man, I'm amazing. I wasn't amazing. You know, but I would say that. I wanted to convince everyone that everything was okay. I didn't know that it was okay to not be okay. I didn't know that. I thought I had to have my shit together. I thought I had to be cheery and smiley. I thought I had to be Chef Dev all the time. Happy, go lucky, charming, all that stuff. Personable, you know. Uh, informative. I, I didn't know that it was okay to have a bad day. I didn't know that, you know, I had this darkness brewing inside me that, you know, I could share it. This is really bothering me right now. I didn't know that I could have chinks in my armor, but I know it's okay to, to not be okay today. And I can talk about it. I can come here, never even met you guys before, and be very vulnerable with you because it's really who I am. And this is therapy for me right now. It feels so much better. Like, man, I feel so light. Like, I have nothing to hide. You can't hold anything over me anymore. I spent so many years trying to impress everybody around me and and get this external validation when all I needed to do was just be right with myself inside. And today, I feel right inside. How do you wrestle the external validation between you, the person, and you, the social media personality? I, I don't even know how to answer this, man, because I was told that I need to separate the brand from Devin. Uh, over the years and stuff like that I, I've been very like it's me like I'm the same guy man like yeah, yeah. what I'm if we if I started breaking down an onion and, and cooking some dish for you right now or if we were sitting at a bar or whatever I feel like I'm the same guy so it's challenging to answer that question because <clears throat> I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure what the separation is and uh, I know there's probably some people that are going to watch this some people close to me being like you need to figure that out kind of thing but I feel like I'm very much the same person. I don't feel like that there's a difference between who I am online and who I am in this room right now. And online, I'm starting to share a lot more of this story. I'm starting to be a lot more vulnerable and um, I'm starting to be a lot more open and honest. How's the reception been? Because people are mean. People are rude. People are, you know, some of the videos that we post, clips of some of the guests that we have and the stuff people say are just, Vile. I was the kind of guy to get, you know, 99 amazing comments and get the so one bad want. comment and focus on that one. So I don't really do that anymore. I mean, I can come up here and, and, and start talking about how people who hate online are just deflecting from themselves. But I don't even need to go that far anymore. I just need to know in my heart that I'm doing the right thing and see it through. Almost to the point where I don't look at comments. There's no point to look at the comments, right? Sure, I have a community manager that'll action all of them kind of thing, right? But I, I don't really need to go through them anymore for that validation. I know I did the right thing. Um, I know the intention was good, heart's pure, and then I put it out, and then I walk away from it. Um, as I start to release more and more of this story, <clears throat> excuse me, as I start to release more and more of this story, there's going to be all kinds of people saying all kinds of shit about me. You know, where did the trauma come from, right? Is this guy really just doing this for publicity? This guy, there's no way that this guy was an addict or, or whatever that might be, but Do I you know think it's... a lot of that is because you were putting on that facade for so long? 100, bro. 100. That's more of the reason why I want to release this story. I know people look up to me. I have a lot of kids following me. I see the messages. I see the videos. And I want them to be able to identify with someone who is successful, who works very hard, but also has a lot of personal shit that they have to go through. And um, and yeah, I just want to set a better example. I've always been trying to think, like, what is my role? What am I doing out here? And, 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 and again, it all goes back to 
that pillar of doing for others. That's really where I keep circling back to nourishing the community. <clears throat> I was always thinking like, um, what's my legacy going to be? You know, what's Devin's legacy? And then I realized it's the legacy for the community. It's so powerful, man. When I started to started to learn about this, it's not about me. You know, it is about me, but it's not just about me. It's for everybody around me. The people I do know, the people that I don't know. Let's lift everybody up, right? So, um, so yeah, the, the the reception from this stuff, I, I don't know what it's going to be like. We're dropping like a massive, a massive post uh, detailing like my, my, um, my, my, my past with substance abuse. Like we're, we're releasing like a really, really big uh, like stories, IG post, YouTube mm -hmm. and, and outlining the whole story. So when's I mean, that starting uh, ASAP, man, I filmed it at a year. It's like, it's like what, four or five months old right now. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking forward to getting that out sooner than later. But with the 75 hard program that I did and like this rigorous training schedule that I have now working out and stuff like that, like these mental health tidbits are all coming out. And especially in my industry, man, like hospitality, food and beverage, yeah. mental health is not, to... dis it's not discussed, man. Yeah. I was trained, not I was trained, because like no one held a gun to my head and told me to down three pints at the bar after service. But it's the culture. It's the culture, man. The culture. You go get crushed for 14, 15, 16, well, 17 hours, and then you black out at the bar, and then you wake up and you do it again, sometimes seven nights a week. This is just what we did. Even when I branched out on my own, I was working all day, every day. There was no days off. You know, that Friday, sat that Saturday, Sunday, that's when I'm the busiest, right? So, um, so yeah, like, it's just a part of the culture. I, I feel like I have the platform now. I have people listening to me. So let me do some, thank you. Let me do some good and, and, and just talk about my life and talk about my struggles and say that there is a solution to a lot of this stuff and, and just be a little bit more vulnerable. There's not a lot of brown chefs out there. There's not a lot of Guyanese chefs out there. Why um, is that? Uh, with social media presence, okay, you know, especially in Toronto and stuff like that. There's a right. lot of amazing Indian chefs in the city, you know, like I can drop names of, of some incredible Indian chefs or, or brown chefs in the city. I can say brown like that, right? <laughs> brown chefs in the city. Um, why, why is that uh, for the Guyanese? Um, Guyana is a small place. Hmm. It's not even a million people. There's more Guyanese people living in Queens, New York than there are in Guyana itself. 90% of the population in Guyana lives on 10% of the land along the coast. It's not a lot of people, right? So I think that's one of the reasons you don't see, a, there are some incredible Guyanese chefs. I've done amazing lives with some amazing Guyanese chefs. I do live with Chef Dev. So I highlight and, and, and I profile and I showcase a lot of these uh, West Indian chefs, but it's just not a big place. And I think that's one of the reasons why. So you do a lot of stuff that help bring up the community. Man. That seems like a big thing for you. I love... You had Wallace on the show, man. Okay. I try to comment on everything Wallace does. I'm so that kind of guy. He was a fantastic yeah. person to talk to. He was so genuine, were so you, kind. Were you raised by the community yourself? And that's why you feel like you have to, not have to, but like why you want to more help the whole community. I was, I was given a lot of help uh, growing up, for sure. I mean, like I said before, I was never really short of anything. I mean, I had to work my ass off. I continue to work my ass off. It's like the more successful I become, the more I have to work, the more pressure that's on me. But um, in terms of, like, nourishing the community, it just makes sense, man. Like, my boy Chef Rick just posted that he was uh, going to be on John Catucci's You Gotta Eat Here for Rick's Good Eats in Mississauga. Very cool. Immediate reshare. You know what I mean? I don't go resharing and liking and commenting on everything, but, like, if you're working hard and you're hustling and, and I can help in any way, then it just makes sense, yeah, man. When, and especially, I find especially, too, with social media, it's so easy. It takes two seconds to, like... We share our buddies, like, and it's especially in a story, it's like it's gone 24 hours. So, you really eat in, especially now with certain things like that, you're not even, you don't have to expend much energy. So, it's like, okay, I just do some, something simple. Share bro, it quickly. I blast yeah. red hearts all over the all place. Day. All day. All over the place, <laughs> bro. All day. Everywhere, man. Well, you were talking about uh, Wallace. So, one of the things when you were talking about the, the negative comments, he had this really interesting take on it where he said, even if he receives a negative comment, his response, he'll respond and he'll just say, hey, man, I hope you have a good day. And I love that because now we apply that. I try to do that. Yo, real time story. I paint my nails, right? Yes, I, I, I wanted I, to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah. So you want to jump into it now? No, no, no. Can we tell so, your story first? So, we'll get so with respect to like 
breaking societal norms, with respect to creative expression, with respect to gender equality. These are all, and, and I love the way it looks. Like I love painting my nails, but people cannot wrap their heads around it, especially these old brown people. Mm-hmm. They, like, they can't get it. They ask my mom, yo, why does Devin paint his nails? Or they'll never ask me kind of yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. But someone, someone commented, uh, I do Q&As on Instagram, so someone's like, why do you paint your nails? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I just did a post, a static post about this three, four days ago. You're not listening. So I'm like, so, so I'm like, you didn't like, I just released a post on this. You're not listening to it. Like, well, let me ask you a question. What's it like living inside a box? And I, and I share it. My friend calls me right away. She's like, take that shit down. You are a leader in the community. Yeah. You are better than this. And I'm like, I'm like, you're totally right. Yeah. I know better than this, but it just in the moment. I I made a mistake. It caught me. Yeah. Which is also a natural reaction. I'm like, I just posted about this. How many times do I have to answer over the last three, four years? How many times do I have to explain why? Why should I have to explain why I may paint my nails, right? Or or whatever that looks like. And then I took it down. And then I talked about creative expression. And I talked about, you know gender equality which is a big thing that that, that's like i was raised by women women are everything to me so the fact that there's this hierarchy or you know this mistreatment it just it doesn't sit well with me another thing that just feels natural to me to speak out on like the charity stuff or or the doing for others it's just i just feel like it's a part of me like i can't fake it it's innate in me right um but with the nails thing yeah so it's like i gotta show up better and i gotta set a better example and i can't just put everyone on blast so yeah have a nice day. That's a boss move. That's class. That's finesse. That's like being really confident in yourself and setting the right example. You can't win an argument that you start with a troll online. There's not going to be any winning it. So you kill him with kindness. No yeah. question. And I do that too. I'll write appreciate you and like give the, the clasped hands yeah. and the heart and stuff. Yeah, I'll do that. Tell me about the nails. That That's essentially it, man. I just love the way that it looks. Like I, I have like seven piercings i mean i have like basically a whole sleeve i just love this form of expression it was also growing up as a kid a way for me to maybe rebel i was raised in a very strict household a very conservative strict household no tattoos like no smoking and none of that stuff all the things that i did and um and yeah it's just another way to uh to shine i mean it's like I mean, if you go buy a really nice hat or if you buy, you know, a a pair of shoes that you love or if you wear some type of jewelry, it's just another accessory. And I love black matte. It looks so dope. And then I have people like, you're a chef. You paint your nails. I'll never eat your food. And it's like, when am I ever going to be cooking for you? (laughs) But But I... I can't say that. You know, it's like appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for yeah. your comment. Yeah, yeah. I just love the way that it looks, man. And 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 I want to break those societal norms. Like growing up in the Indian in the brown community, it's like what I used to think about these societal norms like you should get married at this age, you should have kids by this age, you should have a job in this type of profession. I thought it was a brown thing. And then I learned it's a world thing. It's a world thing. You know, whether you are Ukrainian or Italian or Ethiopian, whatever you are, I found out that that's a parental thing, right? I thought only my parents or and brown people wanted me to be a doctor, uh, a lawyer, or, you know, an engineer or whatever that is, right? Then I found out it's everybody. But, um, you know, me me going into the, the culinary industry, <clears throat> excuse me, me going into the culinary industry and me doing my thing was a, a way for me to go against the grain, yes, but I'm genuinely passionate about food, man. All I did was talk about food. So if, if I feel something inside, I want to be able to express it. And it's just another form of self-expression. I love the way that it looks. If I got another guy has his nails painted, like I'm trying to see like what color does he have on there? You know, I'm squinting. It happened the other day. I was eating the shawarma and there was this like bigger dude with navy blue nails. And I was like, this is amazing. I love it. You know, because that guy's uh, taking, taking, a, he's stepping out. Like, he's confident in himself, but he's taking a bit of a risk, man. Like, you sh- you don't know the amount of times, like, I have my, my, my nails done in public, and, like, I see people walk by and, like, shaking their head at me. Mm. I don't like having my, people shaking their head yeah, at me. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. That's natural, right? Naturally. I didn't like it, but I continue to do it, man. You know, continue to, like, break that norm down. Like, it's okay to act outside the box. It's okay to not confine to these guidelines that society has set out for us. And I want to set an example for the younger kids that follow me. There's a lot of brown kids that follow me, man. I know this. I brought it up before with you guys. I know this for a fact. 
So I want to be someone who's open-minded, you know, who can be creative in their own way and who's like honest and vulnerable. All things that I was not to do growing up as a kid. Vulnerability did not exist when I was growing up, especially for a man, a young male. You don't want to show any signs of weakness. And then what did I do? I just bottle up everything inside and I hide it my whole life. So just want to set a better example, man. So how do you, if you're talking directly to, to this community of, of, of younger men, specifically younger men who still have parents, because even today with uh, as much progress as we've made, there are still parents out there that are very strict in their ways, right? And you're saying that you've got a number of kids from that community who follow you and, and listen to you and, and mirror you. What do you say to them? To the parents? Both. What do you say to the parents? What do you say to the kids? Because there's, I'm sure there are parents too that you know are trying to, to find ways to become better parents and who <sighs> could always use that extra nudge in the right direction. With the kids, I don't really say much at all. I lead by example. So in the ways that I demonstrate the vulnerability, in the ways that, um, you know, I be myself, in the ways that I chase my dreams and I follow my passion regardless of, you know, who, like, uh, regardless of what someone thinks I should be doing. Like, I just try to lead by example. I'm never going to say do this or do that. Uh, you know, I either make a suggestion, similar to the spiritual program I'm working, I either make a suggestion or I show by my actions what, what, uh, what I recommend. Um, for the parents, I can't say anything, man. I'm not a parent myself. And I have no kids, so I, I don't really feel like I have any business telling anybody how to raise their kids. The other thing, too, on that note that just pops into my head is people like to judge other people and make suggestions for them based on a split second of something that they see. So further to that parent uh, question, right? I don't spend 23 hours a day. You know, let's say I'm with someone for a bit. I don't spend the other 23 hours a day with you and your kids. So I don't really feel like I have any likes to stand on to comment, you know, from something that, does that make sense? For yeah, something yeah. that I see for five minutes, like someone sees me for like a it, minute it could, or, or an hour. like the one-off that you You could no be idea. having the worst day of your yeah, life. Like, okay, and, like this literally has never happened before. And right. let's say this parent just screams at their kid yep. because who knows, right? And it's like, you, wanna, you don't want to judge based on that. People always like to give advice. And I always say, you don't walk in my shoes 24 hours a day. So how can you give me the advice? One of my favorite quotes, man, one of the favorite things that I live by is I'll never take advice from someone that I will not trade places with. Mm. And I love that quote, man. Because yeah. there's not a lot of people you would trade places with. There's a lot of people that I would trade places with. You would? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, man. I surround myself with mercenaries in the nicest way possible. Yeah. Um I surround myself now. I've cut so many people off in the past couple of years, man. And I love these people from a distance, but they just weren't adding anything to my life. It was not a reciprocal uh, uh, relationship or it was just not, you know, conducive. It was just not, wasn't, wasn't nourishing or benefiting the path that I'm on right now. But there's a lot of people that I would trade places with. I mean, not physically trading places, but I keep people around me that can that can enrich my life, man. I mean, you want to get better at something? Just hang out with people who are better yeah. than you. And I heard about this. I heard about auditing your circle. And I heard about all these things growing up. But it's only until I cleaned up my act that I was able to actually put it into action. Because it's hard to let people go, man. You know, I read another quote recently. is like something online that's like, just because I grew up with you, doesn't mean that I have to be best friends with you or just that I grew up with you doesn't mean that you have to be in my immediate circle and I had a lot of those friends we were close we'd meet up there's nothing really there but I've known this person 28 years 30 years 35 years I've let some of these things go man and I've opened up the room I've created space to bring in some people who can really benefit me and I can benefit them amazing on the entrepreneurial side you got a lot going on mad shit bro tell me about it um I'm hungry, man. I've always been really hungry. Because I got some pecan pie. <laughs> Yo, that pecan pie is for a really cool brand partnership. Man, it's got vanilla, cardamom I put into the pie crust. I put oh. both vegetable shortening and butter. Keep that real cold, man, for the best flaky result. And then there's like uh, allspice, and then there's a fresh grated nutmeg. So it's a little bit spiced into okay. the, the actual filling itself. It's mental, man. I can't wait. I kind of want you to FaceTime me when you're eating it tomorrow. <laughs> I, I might Just have like, to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then that goes back to me, like, you know, nourishing and nurturing someone. But um, lots happening. A lot of travel coming, coming up. November 1st, I leave for Pakistan. I was there two years ago cooking. 
So the same group of people are bringing me up to be the guest chef, bringing me out to be the guest chef at their brand new hotel that they're opening up. I'll be filming in the mountains while I'm there. At the pop-up, I'm also going to make a really, really discerned effort, strong effort to channel some of the funds into the relief for all the flooding that's going on. So while I'm there, I can continue to bring awareness to my followers here outside of Pakistan. You know, obviously most of them are in Canada and the U.S., mostly Canada. So that's happening in November. Uh, The whole month I'm gone. I'm going back to Guyana in December to film part two of my documentary, Chef Dev Tastes Guyana, which is a highly produced, I'm so proud of it, in-depth look at Indo-Guyanese cuisine in Guyana. And when I go back, I'm going to look into the Portuguese influence, the African influence, the Chinese influence, et cetera, et cetera, when I'm there. So the filming is a really exciting thing for me, and the traveling is a lot of fun. Carnival Cruise is coming up in February. I'm collaborating with Carnival on their brand new ship. The ship has a roller coaster on the deck. It's crazy, man. So I'm cooking for How about, high is this thing? How high? Yeah. What, oh, the roller coaster? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean no, lose more it's like 30, sometime. 40 feet above, above yeah. the deck, but I mean, it, it's it's not terribly high. Okay. But it but goes still, around the whole the whole top of it. That's top. pretty yeah, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's coming up. That's really exciting. Uh, Just Soup and Just Sauce uh, are two are, is a brand, are two brands actually, that uh, I've partnered up with a local family run business uh the it's called memma memma foods international um we connected about three years ago and i've started to help them innovate and add really exciting products to their line we just launched butter chicken sauce it's so exciting mm. uh we're available all over the place so sobeys longos fortinos loblaws home sense winners farm boy tons of independents highland farms you know all over the place and i'm so grateful for that and one of the reasons why I spend a lot of time in the retail space or in the grocery space is because I don't have a restaurant. This is a way that you can try my food across Canada. This is a way that you can take home something that I had my hands on and bring that into your home. Because I always get asked, like, why don't you open a restaurant? And I'm just like, I'll open the restaurant. You can go work 125 hours a week, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, other things, a lot of brand partnership work. Virtual classes have slowed down quite a bit uh been filming city line since 2014 i love being on camera i really really enjoy it one of my jobs after i left the food dudes was doing live demonstrations at a very high-end fancy appliance uh place in toronto parliament and king the Lux appliance studio i spent two and a half three years there straight doing live demos cooking while demoing characteristics and, and features on the appliances the reason why i'm telling you this is because people found me during COVID doing these live demos when I came back from traveling. And they're like, oh man, you're so natural, bro. Like mm. you, you're you so good at this. I, I didn't wake up overnight and start doing this. Like I, 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 I made so many mistakes. I continue to make mistakes and I bled into this thing, man. Like I sweat into this thing. I spent so much time cooking in front of the camera, trying to trying to engage and captivate, right? So, so that, that kind of ties into a lot of what I do, which is live demonstration. So I do a lot, a lot of live demonstration, whether if that's at, uh, you know, the T.O. Food and Drink Show, whether that's at a charity event, whatever it is, live demo is something that I have the most fun doing. And I'm working on getting a television show doing the live demo as well. Beautiful. Yeah. How do you balance all of that? It's a lot of content creation. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it takes a mental toll. It takes a mental toll, bro. But I'll tell you one thing, man. Over the t- over my twenties and over my thirties and stuff like that. Now that I've cleaned up my act, I have so much energy. Because hmm. before I was doing a lot of this work in a state of recovery, you know. So I was banged up. You know, I wasn't a hundred percent. I wasn't operating at a hundred percent. And now that I've addressed a lot of the internal conflict and turmoil that I've had in my life, I feel like I can take on a lot more. Because I used to get real stressed out before. I would only take on take on so much. Bro, bros, I used to plan I used to plan work around partying. Mm-hmm. So if I was going out Saturday, I couldn't have work planned on Sunday, maybe not even Monday. You know, if there was a party on Sunday night, I'd block off Monday, Tuesday. That's how I lived for a long time. You know, and I'd go kill the event, make everyone really happy, convince everyone everything was a hundred, and then I'd go disappear for like two days. So the reason why I'm telling you this is because now that I've done all, a lot of work and I continue on a daily basis to do this work, I feel like I can take on more. A lot of my balance comes from the gym as well. I've started working out quite a bit. I try to go every single day, squash, tennis, you know, whatever it is, F45. I go almost every single day. 
it uh, it allows me to clear my head. I love squash. It's so much fun to play. We might have to play. We're going to make that happen for sure. I play a lot of squash, but um, I can let out a lot of my stress. You, you know, with the working out, it's like I needed to find healthier ways to relieve stress. Before, I used to numb myself and escape. So I needed to find something else. Like if I'm having a really bad day or something's really bothering me, I can't go take a shot. I can't have that pint. I can't take any type of drug because I've abused that privilege. You know, I've completely exhausted the opportunity to even do that. There is no moderation with me. You know, sure, I can go out and have a pint tonight and go home or tomorrow two pints and go home. But eventually I'm going to end up back in that same place. And I know that firmly. So it's not an option for me to go take that drink or, or, you know, go for that cooler or cocktail after work or whatever. So I need to find other ways. A big part of that is fitness. So I do a lot of doubles sometimes. Like I'll two go to the gym. Days, two a days. Two a days, yeah. Yeah, the other day. Yeah, the other day I did F45 cardio in the morning, 9.30, 11 a.m. I'm on the squash court at Mayfair, right? So I'm, uh, I'm fitter than I've ever been. I mean, I was eating pizza every day for like two years, so I had a lot. I had to work backwards. I feel like, but but I'm grateful for the headspace that I'm in, man. And I try to, and 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 the health and the wellness and the exercise ties into my recovery journey. It ties into my uh, my spiritual program. I mean, I'm living a different life now. It all it all it's all just flowing together. It's all connecting like it never was before. I was a bit lost, man. I didn't have direction before. That's amazing. So you've got all of these endeavors happening at the same time. If you could do just one thing, what would it be? I was asked this before. You've got the mind of an entrepreneur. It's clear. It's obvious. You're always thinking, how can I do this? But then how can I do this, this, and this? I was asked this before. I was doing a whiteboard session, and my friend asked me, she was like, hey, if you could do something for the rest of your life and not be paid for it, what would that be? And I think that's kind of a similar question. But I'd want to work with children. I'd want to cook with children. Um, there's something very powerful about sharing with someone, teaching someone a life skill. There's something super powerful about that. You know, my favorite memories as a kid was following my mom around the kitchen or sitting on the floor cross-legged of my grandmother's apartment with two with a with a brick and a large brick while she grated coconut for coconut choca, which is a beautiful Guyanese condiment. It's like parched coconut flesh with like mustard oil and, and weary weary pepper and garlic and garam masala and all these spices and it's my favorite thing in the world. But those are my favorite memories. I love working with children. I love seeing the light bulbs go off. Just a couple months ago, I went to my uh, my nephew's place, and, and, and he's cooking all day every day, and he's baking, and he's doing this and that, and I spent a few hours with him, made Guyanese plat bread, and uh, we seared up steaks, and you know, I taught him to put everything on trays to stay organized, and secure his cutting board with damp paper towel. I brought him a shelf lining to, to, to keep, and how to hold a knife, and I did all this stuff, and I really, really enjoy that. Mm. So I'd love, and it's, it's, it's kind of like molding someone, but it's really like just teaching a life skill. Not everyone's going to connect with it, but that's what brings me a lot of joy. And what are you doing? to get to that it's a good question man don't bang the table that's a good question <laughs> that's that, that that's a good question man i do um i do a lot of different initiatives uh, every summer i'll go to my old temple young and seven this last time we cooked for 175 kids wow so i had multiple stations going it was madness in there but uh, we did something really cool with that and um rooks to cooks is another organization that i was working with that kind of fizzled away through covid but, um, but yeah, this is, uh, I'm really glad that you asked me that because I have new representation now and, uh, we had our first big meeting three hours long and we talked about a lot of different things, but this is something for us to bring back up to, uh, to, to discussion. So I don't have a full answer for you now, That's okay. but, um, I think one of the reasons why too, is that I have so many different projects going on right now and, uh, you reminded me to create some space to spend some time thinking about that. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, I love seeing when people are creating and doing, you know, like it's nice to see all the, the, the brand partnerships and, and I'm not trying to discourage you from any of that, to be clear. It's just, there's also still something about when you're building towards that one thing that just really, really makes you who you are. And North. it's just nice when you're well, talking North star. Hmm. You're talking that North Star. Um, another thing I'd like to add to that too is like 
being a ambassador to, you know, West Indian cuisine, to the Desi community as well. That's something that I really want to do. Something, uh, someone that people can look up to, someone that inspires people. Like the the reason I think I'm so passionate in the videos that that I release, and I'm always told that that I'm really passionate, and it's not something that you can fake, mm-hmm. um, is because um, I just I'm, I really am obsessed with food, and I really feel like there's no secrets in the kitchen, and I want everyone to be able to recreate what it is exactly that I'm doing. So an ambassador. You know, for for that community is also something that's really important to me. But I think that that can tie into to nurturing the children as well. Very cool. We've almost been talking for an hour. If you can no way, it. it's eleven minutes, bro. <laughs> no, it's right there. Oh, oh, damn, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it flies by. Yeah, yeah. It but does. you have a lot of amazing things to say, and your journey is incredible. Honestly. You you say it's 16 months, but I think this journey started way, way, way long ago. I agree with you, man. It did. It definitely did. Um, the first time I went to treatment was like, I'm 38 now. I think it was 30. So it was about eight years ago. And I did in-house at that time. And um, a lot of seeds were dropped on me at that time. I learned about humility. I didn't know what humility and being humble was, right? And true humility is thinking not less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, you know, and that really hit me hard. Not less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And uh, ego deflation, you know, all these things I started to learn about. And um, How do you do ego deflation? How do I do ego deflation? Because that, you know, I mean, it's, it's not hard to see, especially on social media when, you know, you get that little blue check mark, you start <laughs> to see the following grow for the ego to be like, oh, hello there. <laughs> Showing humility, you know, admitting when I'm wrong, you know, asking for help, asking questions. These are all ways to deflate the ego. If I don't know something, I'll ask the question right away. Even even as an educator, even as a culinary expert, as some people may brand me, right? Asking questions is really important. Not being a know-it-all. Just because you have something to say doesn't mean you have to say it, you know, and not belittling people. Don't be condescending. You know, all, all these ways are ways to deflate the ego. Just demonstrating true humility. And that's something that I didn't know. I wanted to be the know-it-all. I wanted to have all the answers. I wanted to be the loudest person in the room. I don't behave that way anymore. Beautiful. <laughs> Chef Devin, thank you for coming. I'm, thank you for talking to us. I'm honored and I'm grateful. Um, you've had incredible guests on the show in the past. And I'm just happy that uh, that you asked me to come in here. I'll come here anytime. And anything you need help with, I'm at your service. That's that's very kind and generous of you. We will we definitely want to have you back on, especially after you're done that next chapter of your journey. And Sounds you've good, done man. the documentary and everything. Like, we want to know what that's like. We want to know what the work is like in Pakistan because I know that that's going to be some life changing work for I anticipate for you. But I think there's going to be a lot of people there who are going to appreciate you know someone coming in and just helping them out when they're in their time of need. And uh, we're excited to see your you know follow you along on your journey, man. I'm grateful, man. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you so much. No, I appreciate it. What do you What do you listen to when you work out? That's a really good Ooh, question. That is a good question. <clears throat> My taste in music is all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be the greatest hits of Fleetwood Mac. It could be Thirty Six Chambers. It's all over the place. The playlist or is just like shuffle. I have mad play. I have mad playlists going. So everything's curated. Like you know, there is a lot of old school hip hops on there. Yeah. I'm a black star, gangstar fanatic. Gangster, yeah. You know that 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 kind of vibe. Um, I'm just, I'm so obsessed with music. We didn't get into this. You see me lighting up right now, but music is <laughs> a right, major, well, major yeah. part of my yeah. life. Tell us about it. Well, well uh, this guy needs, love, you guys love your music? We love our music, <laughs> but I'm going to share something with you. Uh, and, and this kind of came out of nowhere, but this is really exciting for me. Did you guys see Almost Famous? No. Almost Famous. <laughs> Please go. Top priorities watch Almost Famous, but there's a scene in Almost Famous. It's about rock and roll and a, a, a young journalist going to tour with the biggest band at the time in the 60s, 70s, which is really exciting. You know, picture Rolling Stones or picture you know, ACDC or, or Jimmy. Mm. So there's a scene where the older sister tells her younger brother to burn a candle and play these albums, you know, and that could be like Janis Joplin. And, and, and these, like back then, this was, this was a big deal, right? The reason why I'm telling you this story is because this is what my brother did for me. My brother was five years my senior, but he, my brother, his name was Jai. 
you know, he passed away in 06. So he was 26. I was 21. But as a kid, my brother, I feel like was fast tracked in life. He had a way of connecting with people. He did everything other than what brown kids did. You know, he was a star hockey player. You know, he was chief scout. Like he did all these different things that you wouldn't expect. Of a, He played the guitar. He dyed his hair. He did all these things that you wouldn't expect. But that's what he did for me with music. Is He, he was ahead of his time, I feel like. And then he fast-tracked me. So I was double fast-tracked. So my obsession for, for U2 and Oasis and the Strokes and, and, and Radiohead, all this came from him. A whole other side of music that I may not have been introduced to. So he's a big part of my story, and he's a massive part of, uh, of the music that I listen to. I am obsessed with music. But to get back to your question, I just had to go on that almost famous rant. Yeah, Penny yeah. Lane, you'll get it when you watch it, okay? <laughs> but um, yeah, there's all kinds of different music. Um, I go through big phases. Currently, what I'm rinsing through right now is a lot of 80s. Mm-hmm. So uh, Your Love, The Outfield. I don't know if, if you know that song off the top, Your Love, The Outfield. It's like I put up the PCAD 5 video and uh, I came across a song again at F45, funny enough. And then I just rinsed it all day, yeah. bro. The whole day. I had prepped to do that day. I just go to YouTube on the TV and I just keep I repeating it over and over. Another song. I'm on this acoustic vibe right now, but you know Take On Me by AHA? Okay. Yeah. You know that song. Please go find the acoustic. It's the most beautiful piece of music I've heard in a long time. No matter what kind of mood I'm in, I'll play it three, four, five times in a row. Aha, take on me acoustic. It's the most beautiful thing. Homie's on the piano. It's mental. Yeah. You got to check that out. I just went to Nas Wu-Tang. Couldn't have missed it. My third time seeing Wu-Tang. Method Man wasn't there, I heard. Meth was not there. Busta yeah. was not there. Uh, the guys are a lot older. But, you know, still still, really good, still screaming yeah. lyrics at everybody. Um, and then prior to that was OVO. Fest, yeah. which like I feel kind of ways about. Peeps came out really, really late. That I heard night. there was uh, people were a little. Upset. A little Man, they, I think yeah. like ten fifteen they came out, and I was coming from Electric Island. Yeah. So I, I had plans to go to Electric Island, and that's another thing too is like now that like I'm comfortable in my own skin, I can be around that kind of scene, you know. Mm. So we're backstage at EI, and people are getting up to all kinds of madness back there, but it doesn't really phase me. It doesn't really affect me, or that day it didn't. I, I don't want to come on here and be like, yo, everything's all peaches and cream because yeah. it's not. But at that time, I was tapped in. I was spiritually connected. It didn't bother me. Tomorrow, I'll wake up and figure out tomorrow. Yeah, I absolutely. focus on today, right? Yes. I got to make that really clear. Um, but uh, so yeah, EI. I'm, I DJ house. So I'm playing Bar 808 end of this month. No way. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I played Empire Supper Club not too long ago. And uh, and uh, yeah, so my, my taste is all over the place. But I'm obsessed with music, man. And, yeah. and we could talk for, we can do a, a 10-hour segment on that chatting, I'm sure. Yeah. That's awesome. See, uh, see well, that tangent I went off. You yeah, asked me a little good. question. No, that's good. That's good. That's, that's <laughs> what, what's on your? Well, what music are you listening to? And then boom. That's it, though. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, we got out some good stuff. What does Toronto mean to you? Toronto's my home, man. Toronto has Toronto introduced me to the world, and, and a lot of that through food. I mean, we grew up with. I grew up with such an eclectic mix of friends, an eclectic mix of influences, and I feel very much world inspired and connected to the world via Toronto. As much as I travel, you know, I travel for one, two, three. I've traveled six months at a time before. I'm always going to come back to Toronto as my home. It's where I feel most comfortable. Um, I have a lot of family and I have a lot of friends here. But it's a very special place. And um, I'm grateful to it because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just really inspired by it. There's a lot of creatives here, but I just love the world imprint that it's left on me. It's so diverse. There's such a wide range. And uh, I don't know what it's like to grow up in a, in a small community of, um, you know, just one type of race or anything like that. I don't know what that's like, right? I grew up with friends from all over the world, you know, for whether they're from El Salvador or whether they are from Punjab. You know, it's, it's, it's anywhere. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Tio is everything, man. I love Tio. I love Tio so much, I moved out of Tio. Yeah. Remember we were talking about yeah, that yeah, earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, so I used to live in Liberty, but I'm not anymore, but it's nice to visit. Like you mentioned, right? It people, is really people nice. Love, people love Toronto. People love Toronto to visit as you're talking. Like, not, <laughs> not necessarily to live up to, like, but it's a great city. Tra- <laughs> traffic's too city, much. It's it too it much is. Now. And it's then Lakeshore, like every weekend, there's something else going on. I can't deal, bro. Yeah. It's just a lot of traffic for what's supposed to be like a 10-minute drive in between where I live now and to get to the studio uh-huh. is always 30 to 40 minutes. For no reason. Right. Yeah. For no reason. And uh, and I owe a lot to Toronto. I mean, I often hear that, you know, I'm one of the most recognized chefs in T.O. And that's not easy to do. There's a lot of chefs out here. There's a lot of cooks. There's a lot of people killing it. Um, I can say openly here that 
my peers now, some of my peers are people that I look up to so much that when I was in culinary school, these people were killing it. And now I'm, I'm mentioned in the same breath as them. And it's the most humbling, most gratifying thing ever, man. Because I always worked so hard to, to, to build my name. And I went against the grain. Everyone did restaurant work, right? Yes, I've ran restaurants. And yes, I've worked in them, etc. But that, that's not, I did my own thing. I went off and did my own thing. And, um, and yeah, I owe a lot to Toronto, man. It gave me my career. And it nurtured my passion. And um, it'll always be home. Amazing. <laughs> On that note, sir, thank you so much for your time. (laughs) Thank you you for coming by. We really appreciate it. Chef Devin, we're excited to to see your journey, and uh, we're going to talk soon. Can't wait, man. God bless. Amazing. Thanks, everyone.